Hi, I'm Jeff Brown, author of Read to Lead, The Simple Habit That Expands Your Influence and Boosts Your Career. And you're listening to the Relationships and Revenue podcast with my friend, John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue podcast. I am your host, John Hewlin thrilled and humbled that you have chosen to spend some of your time with me today. And as you heard from that fantastic intro, we have back with us. Yes, I love being able to say that back with us, Jeff Brown of Read to Lead. Jeff, how are you, my friend? I am great. And thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. Oh, you bet. I'm so excited. And the reason we are having Jeff back here, folks, is because Jeff has a book coming out. Uh, August 31st, is that correct? That's correct. Right. Yeah, August 31st, 2021. Want to make sure anybody who's listening to this after that date knows that's what we're talking about. But that's when his book comes out. It is called Read to Lead. I want to make sure I get and help me out, Jeff, with the subtitle. The simple habit that expands your influence and boosts your career. No, love that. Love that title. I am super excited to read that book. And just so you folks know, I've done a couple things ahead of time. First of all, I have pre-ordered dose copies. That's right. Two copies of Jeff's book from Baker Bookhouse, who is the publisher. So I bought directly from them because I got a handy dandy little email from my friend Jeff telling me that if I did that, I would get a four zero. That's right. 40% discount off the mm -hmm. price of it, which was fantastic. Something they didn't have to do, but they did. And so I took advantage of that because if you decide once you've listened to this podcast that it's something worthy of retweeting, posting on Instagram, on Facebook, and you tag Jeff and myself in that, you will win one of those copies. Mm. Absolutely. I'm super excited to be able to share that with you guys. So for whoever does that first, you will get a copy of Jeff's book that we are going to be talking about here awesome. in the very near future. So I'm super excited about that. The other thing I'm excited about is I applied to, and hopefully I will get to be a part of Jeff's launch team. For his mm -hmm. book. So I pre-ordered the book. I'm going to be getting the book read, putting an interview out there, doing all the things to help Jeff get his message out there to as many people as possible. Because folks, when it comes to writing a book, that is huge. Getting your mess at the beginning, the beginning part of getting your message out there with the book and getting as many people hyped up about it is hugely, hugely important. And I want to be a part of what Jeff's doing, because if you guys don't know Jeff, you need to know Jeff. Because Jeff, his podcast, I've told you this before, Jeff, and I've mentioned it on this podcast before. There are a handful of podcasts where I don't miss an episode. Jeff's is one of them. In fact, I have a reminder on my calendar every Tuesday to check out Jeff's podcast. Mm. And hopefully it's there without fail. <laughs> uh, so far, so good. It has been. Absolutely. Yes. 
Now, Jeff, I want to run through just a list of I'm highlighting some of the folks that you've had on your podcast. Okay. Some of these amazing folks. Oh, I don't know. Seth Godin, just to start off with. Now, I know you've had him on multiple times, but Seth is one. John Maxwell, Liz Wiseman, Simon Sinek, Brian Tracy, and oh, could I say over 300 other authors? I mean, wow, that's amazing. Now, you're up to 380 or 381 episodes? Yeah, at the time of this conversation, 381 launched uh, today. Yeah, so a good, good job keeping track there. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Well, you know, I'm super pumped because number 61 comes out today for me. So, <laughs> but you know what? You got to start somewhere. And so That's I'm right. thrilled to be able to do that and to be able to get that all to all of you. <clears throat> so as we mentioned, Jeff is the host of Read to Lead. He is an author, as he mentioned earlier, but Jeff is also a consultant and a speaker, and he has consulted with several multimillion dollar businesses. And oh, one you've probably heard of, the U.S. government. <laughs> That's a big deal, being able to do that sort of thing. So I am curious, and this doesn't exactly relate to the book, Jeff, but how have you done that as far as your consulting is concerned? Is that podcast specific or is, there, or is it a broader sort of consultation that you do? Yeah, with that particular example, it was podcast uh, specific. The, uh, I think I can share this, the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco was the client in that case. Uh, yeah, so that was specific to podcasting. They did a podcast, believe it or not, nice. uh, called Does College Still Matter? And um, tried to answer. What a great podcast. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. Love that idea. Absolutely. All right, and let's see. Now, you've been featured in publications like Inc., Entrepreneur, HubSpot, and, I'm, and I just hit a couple. I mean, there's been many, many others where articles, features, that sort of thing. So hmm. folks, Jeff's a big deal. He would never say that, <laughs> but Jeff's a big deal. So Jeff, okay. I had you on episode 53 and we talked about your background. So folks, if you want to know more about Jeff and his background and what he's about, you need to listen to episode 53 because that I think will fill in some gaps for you. But today we're going to focus primarily on his upcoming book, not coincidentally named Read to Lead. Now, Jeff, you have a co-author. What is his name? Uh, that's Jesse Wisniewski. Yeah, thanks for asking. Je you bet, Jesse Wisniewski. So folks, I recommend you go out and follow Jesse as well. See what he's up to and all the things he's doing. Let him know that you heard about him on this podcast. Uh, reference Jeff when you do, because I'm sure Jeff will get a kick out of that. <laughs> and that's, that's something that I have done as well. I've reached out to Jesse to get in touch with him and to begin to follow him because he's doing some pretty cool things too, which I'm totally digging. So, mm. all right, I got it. It's the most obvious question to me. Why write the book, Jeff? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Yeah. It's something that uh, folks asked me for a number of years, uh, hosting a podcast where I interview authors all the time, you know, when are you going to write a book? And I, <laughs> my answer was often, I would kind of hem and haw and and just beat around the bush and, oh, you know, I'll do that someday, or maybe I will or whatever. Um, but frankly, if I, if I were to have been completely transparent with those folks, I would have said things like, oh, that'll probably never happen because I'm not sure I have it in me, or it just seems too daunting or overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't know if I could actually finish it. Uh, all the, what would I say? All those kinds of things. 
Um, but then Jesse, who you mentioned earlier, um, uh, touched base with me. He and I were loosely connected on Facebook, having met at a conference you know, in years past. And a couple of years ago, right around this time, he reached out to me and said, hey, I, I've had this idea for a book uh, called The Reader's Edge. And um, uh, I, I want to talk to you about it. Uh, I don't know if you're interested in the idea of co-writing a book, but that intrigued me because first off, selfishly, I was thinking, yes, I would be up for co-writing a book because that means I get to share the load. I get to share <laughs> the work. Maybe that's how I could write a book or at least my first book anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with all the other things I have going on, little did I know COVID was going to make writing it a lot easier <laughs> because there wasn't much else to do <laughs> right. in 2020. Um, had I known that, I maybe I would have written it by myself. I don't know. Uh, but thanks to Jesse uh, reaching out, he and I got together. Uh, we, we talked it through. He'd had a marketing plan that he'd uh, pitched to uh, publishers. He had a literary agent, all that. And they had said no to him. Hmm. And the main bit of feedback they had, had given him was, you don't have a platform, Jesse. Oh. Um, or you don't have a big enough platform. But Jesse recognized that that's something I had that he did not. And so he thought, mm-hmm. well, if we put our heads together and re-shopped this, would the answer be different? And the answer was different. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we only got one bite, but that's all, I, that's all you need. you know. And so it, it's certainly um, a bite, if you will, that I really uh, uh, sort of wigged out about because a lot of authors whose work I admire are on the same publisher. And so... Oh. When they reached out. I was I was pretty people like Michael Hyatt, Grant Baldwin, Kate Krakow have published books on Baker. Yeah, uh, and so when they reached out, I was I was thrilled. Oh, very exciting! Oh yeah, I've, there's a lot of folks that I have read that enjoyed that have been published through Baker. So I completely understand where you're coming from with that. Now that probably didn't answer your question because you asked. I think ultimately, why did you write the book or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> that is what I asked, <laughs> but. Uh, the reason that's, that's kind of the logistical reason why I wrote it, but the, the true why behind it is, is, is for my passion. Uh, you know, I started the podcast out of a passion to help get nor, uh, more noses in more books really, mm-hmm. and, um, help make books more accessible to people. And with read to lead the book, the idea it's, you know, it's kind of meta for a book, a book about reading, a book about books, um, <laughs> about, you know, making the, the most of them is really about helping those who are struggling with with what to read, uh, and when, and, or maybe even they're not sure they are convinced of why they should make the habit in the first place. Uh, and then also, you know, well, how to make the most, okay, you've convinced me. How do I make the most of this habit? How do I, uh, make it a habit? How do I make the most of the habit? How do I retain, comprehend, um, and that sort of thing. And so the book is designed to cover each of those areas. Mm. And so you may be someone who needs to, um, uh, read about all three of those, or, or if you're already convinced that this is a habit you need to cultivate, we'll just skip part one and go right to part two, because those parts will be valuable to you as well. <laughs> okay, so let me ask this. Let's say that I am a business person, but the closest I come to reading is anything that shows up on this small screen right here, my phone. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you say to somebody like that? Who's, who basically says, eh, books aren't for me. Yeah, well, I think some form of reading is better than none. But I think anyone who does not want to read books, and I'm thinking particularly nonfiction, but even fiction would be included in this category. I think fiction really helps us with our, with our creativity. Mm. I think anyone who does not want to read books um, has basically said to themselves, um, I don't need to think. If, if you don't want mm. it or don't need to read books, then you're saying, I don't need to think. In essence, 
Carrie Oberbrenner, our mutual friend, said that to me once. And that just really resonated with me. So I used to be that person. In my 20s, I didn't read books because you know I felt I did all the learning I needed to do in school. I'm done with that now. I don't need to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me is, um, well, first of all, uh, it, it's uh, you know demonstrating a fair amount of hubris. Uh, next <laughs> one that is, I think, later going to come back to to bite you because none of us are at a place, I believe, where we need to stop learning in life. There's always going to be new things to learn. Whether that's for your job or whether that's for your own personal growth and development, that's the thing I love about books. Think about a subject or a person or an industry or something, any, any one of those categories or others that fascinate you. Um, and guess what? There are books about those topics. Find books on those topics that fascinate you and you'll never be bored reading. In fact, even if it's a slog at first, the more you exercise it, um, the more you will begin to joy, enjoy it and the easier it will become. I used to be terrified of public speaking, but I recognized that that's a skill I need to have to accomplish the things I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And that's the case for anything that pulls us outside of our comfort zone. As you begin to exercise that muscle, just like we exercise a muscle in our, in our body, the more you exercise that, the easier for you it's going to become. I've gone from detesting, being terrified of public speaking to loving it and relishing the opportunity that started with reading about it and helping build my confidence and then actually going out and applying what I learned after having read about it. And again, that exercise of doing that thing just makes it easier. Oh, for sure. For sure. I can totally see that. So in the book, you talk about, I think it's five reasons that reading can help build a person and their career. Can you expound or, or give us at least one of those? Cause I don't want to give away the whole book. Obviously we want people to buy the book. Yeah. It, and, and, and the first one that comes to mind is, is just what it does for your professional opportunities. Okay. And there's research that backs that up, but I can also back that up for my personal experience. And anybody who, who I know, who I've met, who reads with any sort of regularity says that the same thing, the windows, the doors that were opened as a result of, of their reading. Uh, in, in my case, it, it started with um, uh, exercising or implementing or experimenting with things that I was reading about in my job. Mm-hmm. And as I did that, the things I did that didn't work or that weren't successful were quickly forgotten. Mm-hmm. The things I did that worked got me noticed. And, and that began to present uh, or, uh, to its, or that began to present to me uh, additional opportunities, uh, things that I would not have had the chance to do were I not experimenting based on what I was reading. And so for me, that began with things like, um, I think in the late two thousands when social media was kind of coming about and I was trying to wrap my head around this new tool and how does it impact the industry I'm in and how might uh, we be able to leverage these tools to further our mission and all those sites, uh, sorts of things. And so I began reading about social media marketing and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and it, it, experimenting with that. And as I did, I got opportunities to speak to uh, the entire programming department across the nation uh, wow. for the radio station that I worked at. And then later the entire sales department and help them begin to implement these, these tools. And the only thing that differentiated me from everybody else, I wasn't necessarily an expert yet. I was just doing one thing that virtually none of my colleagues were doing. And that was reading and learning and recognizing the, the, pow- the power of, of being a lifelong Learner, instead of going home and like watching television every single day, nothing wrong with that in moderation, but instead of that being every evening for me, I was leveraging that time to do 
other stuff. And it paid off really, really quickly. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, folks, if for no other reason, that's a reason to get the book. If <laughs> you get, you, you learn new things and new opportunities will present themselves to you because people will take notice hmm. because you're choosing to improve you. And when you choose to improve you, people around you do understand that. And they take notice like, Hey, what's different about this person? What are they doing? And then they begin to ask questions. Mm. All right. So let me ask you this. How can we, let's say that you have convinced the readers that, that who, who aren't readers to begin reading. So now that you've convinced them to do that, how do they begin to develop that consistent reading habit? Mm. Yeah. When I have people ask me, you know, how do you find time to read as many books as you do or how they might be able to, uh, do that themselves. One of the first questions that I'll ask back, John is, uh, well, do you schedule your reading time? And oftentimes they look at mm -hmm. me kind of funny, like, yeah, why would I do that? You know? Well, it, to me, it's not important enough a skill for you to uh, maintain consistently unless you're willing to do that. Th that's the only way I could read to the regularity that I do is I look at my week, sort of a, a la Michael Hyatt. I think of an ideal week. How do I want my week to go? Best case scenario. And then I build that. Mm. And then only after I build that, do, do I then go, okay, does my week have a chance of turning out that way? Yes, because I've built it. Now, does, does it always turn out? like the ideal? No, but it's certainly never going to, unless I've identified what the ideal looks like. And for me, the ideal includes time set aside virtually every day, at least maybe 30 minutes at, at, at the least to read. And that means protecting that time, like you would protect any other, uh, appointment or meeting that you have such that when someone asks you for time and let's say it overlaps with time you've otherwise set aside to read, you've got a decision to make, uh, can I afford to let go of that time today and accept this appointment or meeting or whatever? Or uh, do I feel like, no, I really need to keep that. You can say to the other person, I've got an appointment during that time. Can we, can we get together at another time? An appointment with yourself needs to be looked at as just as important as an appointment with you uh, and somebody else. Uh, and so what we often do, and, and our, I think you know Garland Vance. I love his mm -hmm. book, Getting, Getting Unbusy, where he talks about this idea of we, we just naturally default to yes, oftentimes when somebody asks for our time. And then if we say no, we feel like we have to defend no to that person True. when instead uh, we should default to no. And then if we're mm -hmm. going to say yes, we need to defend yes to ourselves. And, and that, that's such a powerful tool that you can use when it comes time to protecting, uh, your reading time. Also know what your next book is going to be when you start a book. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have that next one in queue. That's going to lessen the likelihood that you find yourself without something to read. Um, experiment with your environment. Make sure it's conducive mm. to productive reading. There's lots of ways you can do that. Noise canceling headphones, Pomodoro technique, shutting the door to the room you're in, comfortable chair, all those things. Certain app to put in those headphones like Focus at Will or something like that to really help you focus. And I think it's important as you go to share what you're learning with the people you, you have conversations with. And if not, you know, in person and face-to-face, -face, uh, maybe, you know, via social media and look mm -hmm. for feedback, ask for feedback. And as people comment on what you're learning and your thoughts and take on it, uh, people love to give their opinions. It's, when I see people <laughs> post on social media about the books they're reading and what they're learning, I see some of those posts get the most engagement of anything else 
online. And as people begin to engage with you in that way, that's just going to excite you and spur you on to continue this habit that you've started, I think. Absolutely. Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, all those things are extremely helpful. Um, you know, one of the things that I started doing a while ago when it's probably been within the last five or six years, it's a part of my reading process. Now, I don't do it with every book, but there's certain books that I want to make sure that it's so good. And I know I want to make sure I get every last ounce of goodness out of it. I'll have the audio book I'm listening to while I'm actually reading it and I'll play it at about one and a half speed. So not where they quite sound like the chipmunks, but definitely faster because I, I can't have it be a two times speed. They, they all sound like chipmunks and it messes me up. <laughs> That's just me. But I do that and my comprehension level of the book goes through the roof. Hmm. What do you think? You know, it's so interesting you mentioned that because that is something I started implementing a couple of years ago. It's one of my favorite ways to increase retention and comprehension. The first book I did this with was Brendan Burchard's High Performance Habits mm. uh, two or three years ago and listened to, to, I'm like you, I listened to Brendan read it at one and a half times speed. I didn't go much faster than that, but it's almost like a speed reading cheat. You know, when we, yeah, it is. when we, uh, if we try to speed read, it's, it's difficult for most of us because, uh, we, we learned this thing when we were kids to sound the words out loud, to read aloud. And as adults, we often, when we're reading, we're reading to ourselves in our minds oftentimes, but. We're reading every word and syllable in our minds, and that can really slow down the process. Well, by having it read to you at a faster speed, you're hearing and listening and, and taking it in much faster than you could say it yourself. Uh, but then to also see it on the page simultaneously and follow along, one of the things I like about that is it forces you, unless you're constantly stopping and starting the recording, which is a pain, it forces you to, to just make marks quickly in the book that you'll later come back to at another sitting where you're just taking notes. So right now I'm just going to read and consume and absorb this content and maybe make an asterisk for something I think is important or a question mark for something I, I didn't quite understand, or maybe not sure I agree with, or a cue for a, a quote that I thought was pretty pithy, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then when this chapter is over, then I'll stop the recording and go back and look at the notations I made. Now I can take a 25 minute, say Pomodoro or 50 minute Pomodoro, set the timer and mm -hmm. just take notes. Those kinds of things in combination, uh, along with uh, something I, I kind of alluded to earlier, and that's sharing what you're learning, uh, similar to that, teaching the material, mm. uh, teaching it to other people forces you to synthesize it down to in its simplest form when you're trying to explain it to, mm. to someone else. So whether that's face to face or. Uh, maybe a, a, at a meeting at work or more formally as part of a book club, or even like as a presentation, you know, uh, to your local chamber of commerce as part of a lunch and learn or something, all mm -hmm. those things are going to help you, uh, retain and, and comprehend the material better. For sure. For sure. Oh my goodness. Yes. It's, uh, it was transformational for me mm -hmm. being, being able to, to discover that and to be able to start to implement it. Um, and again, I said, I don't do that with every book, but there are some books that I do, you know, one of the things that I find interesting is that I don't know if it's so much age, Jeff, and maybe, maybe you can tell me better about this, especially with all the authors you encounter. Is there a, an age breakdown when it comes to preference 
for books, meaning actual physical books versus an electronic form versus an auditory form. Have you noticed any sort of trends with that? You know, I haven't per se, um, other than, um, more often than not, the older a person is, the more likely they are to prefer, uh, physical books though. You know, I, I see just as many older people consuming books in those other ways you mentioned, mm -hmm. but if somebody, if I ask somebody, what's your preference, then their age sometimes, you know, of those three, their age will sometimes I feel, uh, lean toward a physical book, the older they are. That's certainly, uh, my preference, but, uh, similar to what you were saying before, it kind of depends on the book. When I'm reading a book that I'm looking to learn from and take action on, that's when I, I really feel like I need the physical book. Mm -hmm. And I'll sometimes utilize the audiobook in tandem, like we were talking about before, but at least the physical book. Uh, so, so what I'm reading for, in other words, utility, um, you know, I'll, I'll leverage a physical book. If I'm reading for pleasure, um, I'm, I'm less reading for things I'm going to implement and I'm more reading just to hear a story or that sort of thing. And to me, an audiobook is a great way to absorb that kind of a book. Um, and, and if I'm reading for say virtue, so there's, there's, there's pleasure, there's utility and there's virtue. Maybe that's uh, Marcus Aurelius or something, you know, Ryan Holiday's the daily stoic is something I read, mm. uh, uh, every day. And so I, I, I think my preference there was something, uh, with regard to virtue, um, is either audio or physical. My least favorite way to consume a book is on a Kindle, frankly, is digital, oh. mm -hmm. um, just because um, I, I, if I'm going to read it with my eyes, you know, and it, like you do with a digital book or a physical book, then just give me the physical book that I can leaf through that I can touch yes. versus this book where you're, you're only ever on one page. I, I like the space and there's research that backs this up sort of the spatial nature of a physical book and the way our brains work and think and remember is spatially. So if I'm reading through a book and I. Um, I go, oh, that reminds me of something the author said earlier in the book. My brain immediately goes to, okay, well, that thing that I'm thinking of, that was on the left-hand page, mm. and that was about two-thirds the way down the page. And so then yes. leafing to that becomes, that's just the way our brains sort of interact with a physical book. And you don't have that with a digital book, an e-book. You don't have that, obviously, with, with an audio book. Right. Which, of course, begs the question to me, and I realize we're jumping into a slightly different subject but it relates why in the world would all these school districts across the country go to electronic forms of textbooks? Now I realize there is a cost factor involved with that, but if we already know that people learn better in this case, we're talking about kids, kids learn better when they can physically touch it, when they need to physically write notes down on the subject matter, if they retain it better, why would we do that? Mm, yeah, yeah, that's I, that's a question that I don't know that I have the answer to. I, I I do know that when it came to reading in school, and I think I may have mentioned this before to you, but uh, whether for a particular subject or whether uh, a work of literature, uh, for me, school was all about reading things that I did not want to read. And so by the time I got out of school, I I didn't like to read it. You know th that that fire that was once in me as a child had to be rekindled years later. Mm -hmm. um, school didn't do me any favors with regard uh, to that. Now, my sister's the teacher. I'm not bashing teachers. Some of the people that have had the biggest impact in my life are the teachers that I had. Mm -hmm. So take nothing away from teachers. 
we've just got a system that I think is built for about a hundred years ago, uh, frankly, that doesn't work as well as it needs to today. Oh, yes. Well, that's, <laughs> we'll just say that's probably a discussion for a different time and probably <laughs> a different podcast altogether. Send hate mail to me, not to John. Oh, I, I don't mind taking it. And I can take the hits on it because I have some very strong opinions when it comes to entrepreneurship and how that's something we really need to be teaching our children because entrepreneurship forces you to think for yourself and to analyze things, not to mention read a lot. Uh, so yes, I have some, some very strong thoughts related to that. Who knows folks, that could be a future podcast where I'm sure there will be no shortage of opinions on what I offer. <laughs> All right. Now I, I wanted to mention one other thing. And the reason I wanted to talk about this, I, I, we kind of touched on it for a moment is I love physical books. I mean, I just do. I always have. And it's because, and you talked about it before, I am a note taker. I mark up all my books. I underline, I star, I parentheses, I rewrite a quote in my own handwriting because when I do that, I remember it better, um, that kind of thing. And so typically, and that's why I think I mentioned this the last time we were together, when I get a new book, I buy a minimum of two copies because I know there's one I want to keep for myself because I'm going to mark it up and nobody's going to want to read that book that I mark up. <laughs> I mean, maybe someone who's close to me, like maybe my kids one day want to look at it and find it interesting. Oh, what did dad think about this book and see some of the things I wrote in it. But, um, it, it, which actually brings to mind my, uh, the, the Bible I used all throughout college and into grad school, it's, there are large portions of the new Testament that are illegible because there's so much of my own handwriting in there. You, you can't even hardly read it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a, that's the kind of Bible you want to see. You know, I used to tell my, uh, uh, wife, she got me a Bible when we got married mm. and a couple of years into our marriage, um, she's like, you know, you, you never use that, that Bible. Uh, that I gave you. I'm like, yeah, it looks so pristine. I just want to keep it looking good. And she <laughs> yeah. says, you know what looks good to me? And I said, what? She goes, a well-worn Bible. Oh, for so sure. So I started using that Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know how much a, a book, regardless of what kind it is, you know how much it means to the person, mm. how worn it is. If it's a worn out book, you know, that's, that is a loved and cherished book, whatever it happens to be. Mm. All right. One of the things that you talk about is this idea of DREAM. It's an acronym, D-R-E-A-M. And that has to do with the traits of successful people. Would love to hear you talk some more about that. Yeah. As I have interviewed, uh, you know, knocking on the doors, we said of almost 400 authors, I've found that writing a book is not the only thing they have in common. These are traditionally, oftentimes, these are successful people. They've been asked to write a book or and often, uh, a lot of cases, paid to write a book, given an advance to write a book. People have vetted their words and put them out into the world. These are people who have been asked to do that because they've been successful in one way or another. And I thought to myself, well, let me, let me analyze what other things these predominantly sex, uh, successful people have in common. And that's, that's turned out to be about five different things and almost all of them practice to one degree or another. Mm. The D in that acronym, uh, that dream acronym uh, is dance with discomfort. In other words, they understand the value of living a life 
where you're consistently pushing your so- yourself outside your comfort zone. Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt is the one who I think who said, do one thing that scares you every day. You yeah. don't want to be that person who gets to the, the end of your life, like Bronnie Ware writes about in The Five Regrets of the Dying, where the top regret is, well, I wish I lived a life true to myself rather than life everybody else expected of me. Yeah. Um, I, I said before, I uh, used to be terrified of, of public speaking. Um, at least I think I said that earlier. I've done so many interviews today, but uh, I used to be terrified of public speaking. And um, uh, that's something now that I truly love to do and enjoy because I started reading about how to do it better and built my confidence. And then I started practicing what I was reading. And before long, I didn't dread it anymore. And I've stretched myself and I've grown as a result. Uh, the second thing in that acronym, the R is not surprisingly, you know, to uh, ritualize or re-engage with, if you're not currently reading on a regular basis, you're reading. Enough said about that. Um, the E is to examine your energy. I do an audit, an energy audit every now and then. Hmm. And I look at my schedule and everything I've got on my schedule and I go, okay, what on this schedule gives me energy? What on this schedule zaps my energy? And what on my schedule neither gives nor zaps? And the things that give, I color green. The things that zap, I color red. And the things that neither give nor take, I color orange, and then I take a step back, sort of a 30,000 foot view, and I go, okay, any problems here? Is there a lot of red? Well, if so, how can we fix that? Can I bring some orange to that red? Can I put some more green things in between the red things? Whatever I need to do to bring more green, things that give me energy and less of the things that zap it. The A is about assembling your advisors. I think we all need a personal board of advisors. One way that many people practice this in, in modern times today is through um, a mastermind group, a group of people that you meet with on a regular basis, on a weekly basis um, or bi-weekly basis, uh, where you're challenging each other, where you're um, holding each other accountable, where you're encouraging each other to achieve the things that you want to achieve. You're surrounding yourself with uh, people who um, have some of the similar, uh, same and similar goals and aspirations that you do. And then the M is to master your mornings. Um, one thing I've learned from the people that I've talked to and the people who I admire, every one of them understands the importance of self-care. First thing in, uh, during the day uh, to pour into yourself in a, a variety of ways before you go out and face uh, the world. It sounds selfish at first, but it's no different than you know you getting on an airplane and them telling you to put your own mask on first before you worry about you know taking care of of somebody else. It's kind of the same idea. And so whether that's an hour for you. And, and doing a series of things that help you start the day off right, or it's three hours or somewhere in between. First, identify what those types of things are that could be prayer and meditation, that could be reading, that could be exercise, any other number of things. Identify them, put them on paper, and you don't have to necessarily do them all like I think I used to think I had to do is take these 12 things and do them all every morning. Uh, <laughs> very regimented and scheduled, and I realized, oh, I, I don't need to do that. I need to pick from among those things. What will make, what do I need today? What will make today great? What do I have time for sometimes realistically and do those things? And so it's more of a smorgasbord uh, from which to choose. And so those things, um, those five things, a dance with discomfort, re-engage or ritualize if you're already reading, you're reading, uh, examine your energy, uh, assemble your advisors and master your mornings. Those are five things that virtually everyone I've talked to who's successful does in one form or another. Oh, Jeff, that's so good. Oh, love all those. And folks, just remember things like this, the acronym of DREAM that Jeff talked about, we will be sure to include those things in the show notes for you. 
especially for those of you who are either driving or on the treadmill. Don't want you taking notes right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're getting close to wrap-up time, Jeff, but a few other quick things. First thing is, how can folks find you and connect with you? Yeah, a couple of ways. Uh, the first of which is to, uh, if you want to check out the book, if you want to kick the tires of the Read to Lead book, see if it's for you. You can actually download the introduction and the first chapter oh, for great. free uh, at my website right now. That's readtoleadbook.com. Now, if you like what you see, or if you're already uh, sold, you can actually, uh, up until August 31st, 2021, you can uh, get the book at 40% off. Um, you can also um, get $500 in additional resources. One of which, Very by cool. the way, happens to be my ebook on the whole dream concept I just talked about. I, I write about that in the ebook. It's a 25, 26 page ebook. So that's one of the free resources you get along with the audiobook. There's a four module course that my co-author Jesse Wisniewski and I teach together to help you implement what? some of the book concepts. So yeah, all that and more is included uh, for free when you pre-order the book. And again, you can pre-order the book right now at 40% off readtoleadbook.com. If you want to know more about my podcast that John mentioned, that's uh, easy to remember too. It's readtoleadpodcast.com. Perfect. Perfect. And folks, I'm. if you haven't heard Jeff before on this podcast, which is episode 53, I highly recommend it that you check out Jeff's podcast, and I'm going to say it again now. It, it is one I do not miss. Um, I promise you, every single time you listen to an episode, you will learn something. Because Jeff has amazing people on there who mm. just, honestly, just a variety of people, just so different in who they are and the backgrounds that they come from and what they talk about in their books and their life stories. Uh, just all that it's very rich and engaging. And of course, <clears throat> Jeff's multiple years behind a microphone, excuse me, multiple decades behind a microphone <laughs> set him up well for this podcast career that he has. And so he definitely has that voice you want to listen to. So I can't recommend that enough. And again, we'll have a link to Jeff's, both of those to the website for his book, as well as the website for his podcast in the show notes, because you definitely want to check that out. All right, Jeff, we're down to our final four, but I'm going to give you a different set of final four this time. So it's not going to be the same four that it was. <laughs> so it's just four quick questions. Just tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Okay, I'll do my best. All right, here's the first one. What keeps you up at night? Hmm. Uh, what keeps me up at night? Um, Wondering if I've forgotten to respond to somebody's email. <laughs> okay. I've been there. I get that. For sure. It's so much email. I, 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 sometimes they'll slip through the cracks and I'll realize a week later that I didn't respond. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Question two, what brings you joy? Mm. My wife's laugh. Mm. Such a good answer. <laughs> You're trying to do everything I can to make her laugh. Your wife, Annie's laugh. Okay. Mm. All right. So that, that sounds like something that maybe you should be videotaping or something and putting out their social media posts. Like, Hey, this brings me awesome joy. And here it is. And you just heard laughing. <laughs> I dig it. Mm. All right. Question number three, who is investing in you right now? Well, you for one. Um, and anyone and everyone else who, uh, has been kind enough to invite me onto their podcasts. 
I've reached out to a number of folks uh, about that, and I don't think I've gotten a single no yet, which is, just blows me away. Um, so, so yeah, that, that, it, being a new author and the opportunity to get on other people's platforms, to borrow their platforms, and to tell folks about what I've been working on in hopes that it can help more people, it's just been tremendous. So, so thank you. Oh, I truly, I am honored to have you here. You are, you are a hero of mine in the podcasting world, and I have made. I have not hidden that from anyone. I say that quite often. So I, I sing your praises as often as I can. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. The last one. It's, it's a bit long, but you'll understand when I get to the okay. end. So if you were headed into witness protection, who is the one person you would take with you that is not Annie and why? <laughs> um, can the person be a dog? <laughs> okay. That's a cop-out answer because you have dog kids. I get that. <laughs> okay. First of all, how would you pick one dog of the, uh, all that you have? So <laughs> yeah, that that's true. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm going to limit it to a human. I'm sorry. I'm okay. limited to a human. Oh boy. Um, you know, uh, I would probably say my best friend. I'm not sure I want to say their name. That's fine. You don't have to, Jeff. Okay. I, Cause I don't want to say the name. And then someone who's listening who thinks they're my best friend goes, wait a minute. I didn't say me. <laughs> I get that. I totally <laughs> right. get that. But that's, that's probably, I mean, that's kind of selfish in the sense that, you know, I would deprive them of their, uh, uh, of, of their wife <laughs> and <laughs> their wife of them. But yeah, if I can only take one person with me, uh, it would have to be. And, and I, when I say best friend, it's that person who uh, for years, uh, we don't do this anymore because our schedules don't permit, but for years, uh, we met on a weekly basis. I do oh, this with okay. multiple people now, but we met on a weekly basis to challenge one, one another in our lives, to um, encourage one another, to hold each other accountable to the things that we said we were going to do. We'd have lunch every Wednesday nice. for about 15 years, um, talking about life and helping each other get through uh, life. So if I, if I had to go alone and Annie couldn't come, none of my dogs could come, it would be that person. Perfect. I love that answer, Jeff. I really do. And that's, man, that's what it's about. I mean, if folks, I mean, Jeff just, he gave you such a gift there and I bet you don't, didn't even know it. If you don't have somebody in your life who's willing to do that with you, mm. to go to those lengths with you, I'm not talking about going to witness protection, but I'm, I'm talking about it's willing to invest into you and to, because, you know, if they're investing their time, that's everything. And to dig deep into you and to you to reciprocate, to give that back, man, you're missing out. Hmm. So that's an aside. That's not really what that was about, but I just thought it was so powerful <laughs> that folks really needed to hear that and focus in on us at the moment. So any parting words for us, Jeff, um, and reminders about where to get the book, anything like that? Yeah. Uh, even if you are already a voracious reader like myself, don't think um, that this book is not for you necessarily. Like I said, part one really digs into why you need to make this a habit. But if you're already convinced of that, the other parts, part two and three are likely going to help you. But even if you think, you know, you're past that and this book is, is, is not one for you, my guess is there are a lot of people in your life who it is for. Maybe that's your team. Maybe that's someone you care a great deal about or other people who you think need to value this habit as highly as you do. This could be the kind of book, I think, that could move them in that direction. So, so that would be my, more my last uh, parting words, I guess. Perfect. So, folks, bottom line is you need to get the book. Even if it's not for you, 
Be thinking of other people that you can give it to. Because I realized as a recording of this, we're in July of 2021. Excuse me, the, the holidays will be here before you know it. And I'm sure someone already knows automatically how many shopping days there are before Christmas. I don't happen to know that. I don't pay attention to that, but somebody knows. So, you know, get on that because this, this is an easy thing to do. Jeff's made it very easy. Just go directly to the, the website, readtoleadbook.com, and you can order your copy of it right away. And if you do it before August 31st, 2021, you're going to get over $500 worth of bonuses. I mean, just amazing stuff in there. So you don't have any reason not to do it. Seriously. So get on that right away. And we'd love to hear what you think about the book. Would love to hear what you think about it. So again, Jeff, thank you so much for being here today. It is truly my privilege and honor to have you here and to be able to share this stage with you. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, I, you've given me this stage twice now. And, um, I expect email in your inbox soon with folks asking you to stop. So thanks for giving me <laughs> twice before they tell you that. No, I'm just thank you seriously for having me on the show. I really, really appreciate it. You bet you, you bet you, uh, listeners, viewers, thank you all for being here today. Again, your time is the most precious thing you have. And I'm honored that you chose to spend some of that time with us today. So thanks for being here. Love you guys. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.